Canine Cast number 32. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Canine Cast. This is Tara. And hello, everyone. This is Walter. On the last show, Canine Cast number 31, we talked about help for a dog aggressive dog. Plus, we had training tips for and more information about the gentle leader collar. Thanks, Walter. Now, in today's Canine Cast, we're going over a number of things. We're going to talk a little bit about Great Danes, also about whether or not it's okay for dogs to eat bugs, what to do when your dogs fight over a toy, whether or not to use the word no in doing positive reinforcement training, and also use of good release words in training. Lucila writes in, I'm thinking I'm getting a Great Dane. I have been researching about them, but it would be really useful to know a little more. Well, Lucila, that's interesting that you bring up Great Danes. We actually have another listener who's a friend that had talked a little bit about the idea of getting a Great Dane recently as well. Um, These are such amazing dogs. For anybody who hasn't seen one in real life, um, most people are familiar with the breed and know that it's a giant breed, but there is nothing like the first time that you see one of these right in front of you. On most people, they come up past the person's waist, and they're just such a tremendous dog. Um, They kind of look like a small horse. Some famous Great Danes have been Marmaduke from the comic and Scooby from the Scooby-Doo show. So if you're if you're familiar with those, um, Great Danes in real life can be a little bit a little bit different, but they kind of I think did play on some of the breed's characteristics for those um, aside of course from the large size. But um, just to give you some background information about the Great Dane, it was created in Germany to hunt wild boars, and that's something that's kind of important to know. For any breed, it's kind of important to know their history, what they were bred for, because it will give you a great insight into the breed, um, what it is today, how it differs from its original breeding and its original purpose, and how it may have retained some of that as well. Now, um, over the past um, 100 or so years, since they've been bred to also become companion dogs, their temperament has been softened a bit so that they're very, they tend to be very sweet, very friendly, but not, not overbearing. They tend to be a lot calmer, um, but they can still be pretty protective as many dogs are. So those are things to keep in mind. Now, interestingly, most people, when they think of Great Danes, think of their ears sticking up and that comes from a habit of people cropping their ears. Originally, when the Great Danes used to hunt the boar, they, the hunters would actually crop the dog's ears so that the boar wouldn't end up tearing the ear up and, and hurting the dog. Nowadays, that's not necessary anymore. Some people do continue to crop the ears because that's the style that they're used to. However, it's absolutely acceptable and, in my opinion, preferable to go ahead and let the dog's ears stay long. And if you do that, they are floppy ears, kind of like uh, Labrador retrievers. So, and that looks really, really cute on the dog as well. Um, now, my personal experience with Great Danes, I haven't had one of my own, but I've known people who've had them. I've had them in my puppy classes. And the ones that I've met have been very, very, very sweet, uh, very nice dogs. And even as puppies, very calm and very gentle. Now, there, of course, are a number out there that are much, much more excitable and 
can re- really be a bit of a challenge as puppies. So that's something to think about and kind of keep in mind that you could get either one. You could get a very calm puppy. You could get a very excitable hyper puppy. So you'll want to know about that and kind of plan for that in advance. Later on, after they get to be about two years of age, most of them tend to mellow into couch potatoes. However, if you are active with them and bring them with you to do different activities, they will in general have an okay time keeping up with you. You don't have to worry about tiring them out per se. Now, um, the Great Danes are, as I said before, a giant breed. So because of that, their lifespan tends to be a bit shorter than some of the some of the smaller breeds. Um, their lifespan nowadays averages about seven to 10 years. There are lots of dogs that, lots of Great Danes that live past that, but that's about what you're looking at. Now, there's many different colors of Great Danes. One to th- one to think of, one thing to think about is that in Great Danes, as in a number of other breeds, the white or albino colors are associated with with deafness. So that'll be something to look for when you are getting your dog. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone that is white is deaf, and it doesn't mean that everyone that's not white isn't deaf, but that's just something to know and something to look for. And there are tests that you can do, of course, to see whether or not a dog is deaf, such as standing behind it and clapping. Not, not You don't necessarily have to do it loud enough to scare the dog, but ju- you know, loud enough to kind of catch the dog's attention and see if they react at all. Now, so far as grooming and upkeep of the Great Dane, luckily it has a short and smooth coat. So that means that grooming it is pretty much a breeze. It needs you know just minimum bathing, basically, when it gets dirty. Um, it'll need to be bathed and you can brush it once a week. You don't have to worry about the the fur getting tangled. However, what it also tends to have are big, big droopy lips or jowls. So while you may not have to spend too much time um, grooming your Great Dane, you may have to spend that extra time kind of wiping up some slobber that it'll leave behind. So that's something also to keep in mind about the dog and make sure that you're okay with that before you bring the dog into the house. Some people, some people it's fine and some people don't really care for that very much. Now, since this is such a large dog, a lot of people think that, you know, it maybe it needs to be outside or maybe it would do better outside. But actually, the opposite is the case. It's very, very much a house dog. It, it doesn't like to be outside alone. Of course, it'll go out and play with you. And that's wonderful. But um, this is a this is a dog that really needs human companionship. It loves its people. It's not real good at knowing how big it is in relation to you. And it's not necessarily uncommon for them to try to call into your lap. But um, the point is that they do like to be inside. They do like to be with you. And they are, they are um, calm and can be inside. You may end up with your dog trying to take over a couch or two. So very first thing when they come into the house, regardless of if it's a puppy or it's already a full-grown dog, go ahead and set those boundaries the same way you would with any other breed. And if you don't want a couch taken over, then I suggest that you uh, get your Great Dane a very comfy bed and teach it that the bed is its and uh, not the couch. Generally speaking, inside, they're pretty quiet. They tend to not be too nervous or hyper, although outside um, when they're playing around, they definitely can have quite a bit of energy. 
Um, now, it's important that when your Dane is first there, again, regardless of if it's a puppy or a grown dog, that you go ahead and get it a crate, which will be a really large crate. So start thinking about a place to put it in your house now and go ahead and leave them in the crate while you're not there until until you've had a chance to gauge how they do without you in the house. A large number of Great Danes do have separation anxiety. So you want to go ahead and err on the side of caution because since they are so large, they can do quite a number to your house. In addition, the crate will help to make them feel a little bit more safe and secure. It's the equivalent of the dog's den or what a den would be in the wild. So that's something that is great for all dogs, but especially for the Danes, and especially if they do get a little bit anxious, this is something that will help to keep them calmer and make the situation a little bit more pleasant for them. Now, um, as I said before, they can become couch potatoes. So you want to kind of watch that and make sure that you do take them outside to get them ample exercise because they may not do it on their own. They may be perfectly happy to just kind of lie around the house. And, you know, much as for us, that's not necessarily the most healthy thing for them. Now, when you are going to exercise your Dane, make sure that you do it at least an hour after your dog has eaten. Um, as a giant, as a giant breed, it can get bloat. Um, a lot, a lot of large breeds actually are predisposed to getting bloat, um, and that's that's a condition where their um, stomach, well, their stomach gets bloated, but um, it can be dangerously so. It actually um, fills with gas. They also are predisposed to get stomach torsion, which is when the stomach actually um, kind of twists. And that's, that's another thing to look for. So if you start seeing your dog's diaphragm area look like it's bigger and bloated, take it to the vet because uh, something may be going on and you want to make sure that that's taken care of right away. Um, stomach torsion and bloat are, can both be some pretty serious things to happen to a dog. And another thing about health issues. Lots of large dog breeds are prone to hip dysplasia, and that is definitely true of the Great Danes as well. So you will want to kind of um, watch, you'll want to kind of watch how it moves. And as it's growing, as it's growing up, if it's a puppy or even um, after it's an, an adult, if you ever see any weakness or lameness in any of the legs, take it to the vet, see if they um, see if they think that it is hip dysplasia. They have x-rays and tests they can do. In addition, Great Danes are also prone to other bone and joint problems that do tend to plague large breeds. So keep that in mind. And just if you see if you see your dog um, looking uncomfortable or not walking or running like it normally does, then just go ahead and get it checked out so you can kind of head it off at the pass. Now, since this dog does have these problems, one thing that you can do to help minimize the chances of your dog having one of these is to make sure that if you do get it as a puppy, that you only get it from an ethical breeder. Ethical breeders are those who breed basically for the better of the breed rather than finding one, say, from the newspaper or in a pet store or on the internet, something like that. For more information on finding ethical breeders, you can check out Canine Cast number 12. We talked about that on that show because this is something that is so, so very important these days. Um, if you are getting a puppy that you do get one from an ethical breeder, um, the unethical ones, not only do they breed millions of dogs while millions are being put to sleep, but they don't 
even make attempts most most of the time to try to breed the healthiest dogs possible. And so when you're talking about purebreds and there are different diseases and disorders that run in the family lines, you want to get your dog from somebody who has watched for that. So those are some tips for if you're getting one as a puppy from a breeder. Now, of course, we highly, highly recommend checking with rescues as well. And Great Danes are a breed that do tend to end up in rescue in um, some pretty significant numbers. Part of that is due to their size and part of that also is because when they are puppies, they can be rather exuberant, um, more so than people expect. And when you put when you put that in a large dog, a lot of people find that difficult to handle. And so they turn them over to rescue and to shelters. So check with rescues and shelters in your area. And that would be a great place to find one of these dogs. And you can work through the puppy exuberance using um, training. Great Danes are very intelligent. They're highly, highly trainable. As a matter of fact, a number of the ones that I've seen, I've seen at obedience shows or in obedience classes, and they do just wonderfully. Um, what I do recommend is when you're training your Great Dane to use primarily positive reinforcement. So basically make it fun, make it into a game. Uh, and also they kind of need a gentle hand. They're as big as they are, they're still a pretty sensitive dog, and so they don't tend to do very well with any of the rougher um, training methods. So I would highly recommend that you go ahead and train them. Just make, make it a lot of fun, which is what we say about training here anyway, is the more you can make it into a game for your dog, the more they'll learn and the more fun that it will be for both of you. So make sure to train your Dane regardless of if it's an exuberant puppy or an, or an older, calmer dog. It's just a great way for you to bond and a lot of fun for the dog as well as you. Now, for feeding, if you, have, if you get your Great Dane from a puppy, it's extra, extra important that you do not just free feed it or overfeed it. Um, first of all, Great Danes can't just have um, any type of dog food. They need special special diets. I would highly recommend that you check with your vet about that. But um, most of the time, they need low protein, low calcium, and low fat for the first two years of their life. Otherwise, they will grow too quickly, and that can cause joint problems later on. Um, by feeding them the correct diet, you're helping you're you're helping to protect your dog from getting the hip dysplasia um, and the other bone and joint problems that can happen in large breeds. Now, regular puppy food is too high in fat, too high in protein, too high in calcium. So that will um, add to the possibility of your dog developing a problem later on. So, so just keep that in mind and make sure that you're picking the correct food. Now, even when, even when this giant dog is fully grown, you're still going to want to watch what kind of food you give it. Um, you're you're going to want to make sure that you don't overfeed this dog ever um, because at, at any time overfeeding a dog and having your dog be overweight can cause problems with the bones and joints anyway. And then in a large breed dog, it's extra important because they can be predisposed to that as it is. Further, because they are prone to such things as bloat and stomach torsion, you want to give them some special food that will help to decrease that. In addition, aside from the food, you will want to make sure to lift the food and the water up off the floor so that the dog can eat with its head somewhat level with its shoulders rather than having to bend down and get it off the floor. That will help to decrease the incidence of bloat as well. 
And it's a better idea to feed your dog two or three small meals a day rather than one large one. And of course, as we said before, don't exercise your dog and try not to let it run around too much until an hour after it's eaten, kind of like us humans and going swimming. Of course, for swimming, we're not worried about humans bloating. That's more for cramps. All right, so that's, a, that's an overview of Great Danes and some of the things to look for in owning the breed. There are a number of Great Dane links out there on the web that we will go ahead and put on the show notes and also in the Enhanced Podcast. So go ahead and check those out if you'd like to do, um, get some more information from those and they can also probably help point you in the direction of some places to look when you're starting to look for your Great Dane. Okay, we now have two questions from Wendy. The first one she asks is, is it okay for dogs to eat bugs like spiders? My dog seems to love any chance they can to eat one. Well, Wendy, um, I haven't heard anything about it being dangerous for them to eat bugs overall. However, I would still discourage the habit, um, especially for spiders, because I, I would think that it would be the same as anything else that's poisonous. If they eat a poisonous bug or a poisonous spider, then that would be really bad for them. Now, what I would do is if you do see them eat a bug, first of all, try to discourage it. But as, as we all know, dogs eat plenty of things that we would rather that they don't. And sometimes they're just too quick for us to stop them. So if you do see that your dog has eaten something and then you notice it acting at all strange... Go ahead and take it to the vet to get checked up. Um, it may be it may be just fine, but it's better to be safe than sorry with that. Um, overall, for such things as um, you know just June bugs and such, general generally speaking, I haven't heard of dogs having any adverse effects from that. But again, I'm not a vet, so um, that's something that you may want to check with your vet as well. And your vet may be able to tell you if there are some specific bugs or spiders that are prevalent in your area to look out for. All right, so for question number two, Wendy writes, also, my dogs are constantly fighting over this one toy. They have lots of toys to play with, but it has to be this little squeaky red shoe they fight about. I even got one more identical one so they won't fight, but they are still fighting for the possession of the old one. Please help. Well, Wendy, um, regarding dogs and toys, I would say that, first of all, it depends on the severity of their fighting. Sometimes dogs will just tease each other with toys, and that's okay, um, so long as it doesn't get to the point where they are growling and such. It's just one of the ways that they play. However, if they are growling and they are being nasty towards each other and you're afraid that um, a fight may break out, then what I, would say, what I would say to do is it sounds like you've tried some different things. Um, they have other toys. You've tried getting an identical toy, and it's just not working. So frankly, what I would do in that situation is I would take that toy away and only let them have that toy when I am there actually watching them play. Then if they decide to fight over it when I'm there, I would take it away again. Now, in saying this, I'm guessing that your dogs are going to let you have the toy. If this is a situation where when they're fighting, it would be dangerous for you to take the toy from them, then in that case, I would just take the toy away altogether and not give it back to them because you don't want the dogs fighting over the toy and you don't want them to have something that they won't give you either. But um, so long as they'll let you have it and you can actually kind of break up the fight safely, then I would say only let them have it when they're in your 
when they're in your sights and you're watching them and it'll be kind of a special toy. It would even then, if they love it this much, be a great motivator for when you're training them. So go ahead and always make them do a sit or do a down or heel or do a trick for you in order to get that special toy. And now for our next topic, we have some tips for doing training. George wrote in to ask, with positive reinforcement type of training, do you ever use the word no? Do you teach the dog no? And then he says, I noticed that when you talk about the 30-minute downstay, you never talk about saying no to the dog if he or she tries to stand. Well, George, when we talk about positive reinforcement training, um, the, the positive reinforcement part comes from operant conditioning where there are four different things that you can do to reinforce or try to extinguish a behavior. And the positive reinforcement part specifically is for when you are giving the animal something that they like in order to encourage the behavior to continue. So technically speaking, you would not use the word no if you were only doing positive reinforcement. However, in training your dog, I highly recommend that you have a number of tools at your disposal. One of them will be positive reinforcement, and then another one can be telling your dog no. Now, most people tend to tell their dog no a lot more than they realize and a lot more than they want to. So I almost never bring up a time when somebody should tell their dog no. What is better than using the word no is giving your dog a command that will make it impossible to do the thing that you don't want them to do. Um, like, for example, if your dog is jumping up on people and you don't want it to do that, rather than saying no, you can instead tell the dog to sit. Because if the dog is sitting, it can't be jumping on somebody. Another example would be my dog Toby loves to give kisses and he loves to lick people and he will lick you until your skin gets raw if you let him. So I actually used the word um, no and made it into a command called no lick. And so he knows now, after some time teaching him, that when I say no lick, it means that he needs to stop doing that. So that would be an effective use of the word no. What I prefer to do if you're trying to basically tell your dog that it's doing something wrong is rather than using the word no, which your dog probably hears a whole lot, is to have some kind of a sound at your disposal that you teach your dog that that means the dog's doing the wrong thing. Um, it, can, it can just be, um, for, for me, it's kind of an annoying sound, but it goes eh. Kind of, kind of like a. Oh, I was covering Toby's ears when he did that. Yeah, thanks, Walter. So that way, Toby's in here right now. We don't want him to think he's in trouble for sitting on Walter's lap. But um, basically, it, it sounds to me kind of like a buzzer on a game show when they get the question wrong. In any case, it can be whatever sound you want it to be. The point is, it's something to tell your dog that whatever it's doing you want it to stop. So that applied correctly can be very, very helpful in training your dog. So I, so I definitely would say use positive reinforcement and also tell your dog when it's doing something wrong. If you tell your dog both yes and no, then in my opinion, that will help it to learn things faster. Now, so far as a 30 minute down stay and um, not saying no then, the reason why I, why I don't use it in that particular case is because um, I, I consider it kind of kind of inappropriate for that particular situation. The reason, why, the reason why is because you want your dog to be focusing on the down and the stay, the things it's supposed to do. And so what we're doing right there 
is um, in, in purely positive reinforcement. If the dog does the wrong thing, then you just ignore it. And that's a situation where it's easier to just ignore the fact that it got up and just go ahead and have it go back into the down and the stay again. So it just it just depends. Um, for for example, if your dog is, if your dog is going after a spider and you're trying to discourage that, that would be a great time to say no or use your no sound for the dog. For our other training topic, George also wrote in. The second question is about the release word. What is a good release word? With my Weimaraner, I used to use okay, but that was not a good idea. I feel okay is too peppy of a word, and she understood it as now you can jump and run like a maniac. Well, George, the fact that she's a Weimaraner probably means that she wanted to jump and run like a maniac anytime possible. <laughs> now, so far as good release words, a release word can be anything that you don't use in normal everyday conversation. Even though I started off by using okay, and now I just do it out of habit, I really wish that I had started off using something like release or you're done or hooray, something that they won't hear in everyday conversation. Because anytime I have them doing something, I can be talking to somebody else and say the, word, the magic word, okay, and they get up and go. This happened many times. So, so far as that goes, anything that you don't use in normal everyday conversation makes a great release word. So far as it being um, too peppy or not, a lot of that will have to do with you and with how you act and how you say it. If you say, okay, in a high voice, then your dog is going to take that to mean, oh, yeah, it's playtime. And so she probably will jump around and run like a maniac. Um, you, of course, don't want to growl okay at them, okay, because then they think they did something wrong. But if you just say it um, very matter-of-factly and you say, okay, or you say release or you're done, then they can go ahead and get up and go and you haven't done anything with your voice to get them excited. Now, if you make, say, hand signals or move your body or something like that, that may be getting them pepped up too. So you'll want to look at not only what word you use, but kind of everything that you do when you release your dog to see what, they're, what they do. Now, with that said, there are, there are some dogs, and Weimaraners um, may tend to fall into this category, that whenever they've done something and they've done it well, they are so excited, they will get up and jump around and run like a maniac. What I would recommend that you do is go ahead and give your dog your release word so that it gets up and then immediately have it do something where it's going to need to be calm. Like maybe, maybe she just finished a down stay, so you tell her okay, and then immediately have her sit. And when she sits, you can go ahead and pet her go ahead and say okay again. Just do that a few times with a few different commands and, and praise and telling your dog the release word and see if that helps to calm her down a little bit. And, um, and if not, then a good jog will probably help as well. So you can take her out and do that. All right, thank you everybody for writing in with your questions. We love, love, love getting emails from all of our listeners. It just puts smiles on our faces for the rest of the day. So please continue sending in your stories and your questions and your pictures. And actually, I believe that we have some new pictures up in the gallery tonight. We actually have six new pictures in our gallery. Pictures from Deb of her dog, Calvin. One of them really close up and and very cool looking and sepia tone and two dog two pictures of Calvin playing with his tennis ball one jumping up into the air which reminds me of our canine 
uh, disc competition pictures. And then we got a picture from Amy, a couple of pictures from Amy, of her dog, Roscoe, and her s dog's sister, Macy. And the dog, one of the pictures is of Roscoe wearing this really cute hat. You guys gotta check that out. And finally, we got pictures from Rob, who does the podcast 411 podcast, of his dogs, Moo and Q. Now, what's interesting is we were recently on the podcast, 411 podcast. Uh, Rob interviewed Tara and I. And if you want to learn more about the Canine Cast podcast from a podcasting perspective, you can check that out. Uh, links will be in the show notes and in the Enhanced Podcast to Rob's podcast interview with us at podcast411.com. Yes, it was interesting when we were talking to Rob because his dogs were coming in and out of the room and he was telling us that cute as they are, apparently they can be rather evil on occasion. I guess that's somewhat true of all of our dogs. They, have, they definitely have two different sides, the angel and the devil, but it is a cute picture of them. So thanks everyone for sending in your pictures. We love having a chance to look at them and also to share them with our other listeners. So please keep sending those in along with your stories and your comments and your questions. And of course, in addition to email, you can also call us on our voicemail or on Skype and leave a message for us to play on the show as well. So that's about it for tonight. We've had a show chock full of many, many different topics. So thank you all for joining us, as always. And if you haven't already, please remember to spay or neuter your dog. It's the best thing that you can do for your furry friend. If you have a question for Tara or a comment about Canine Cast, please leave us a voice message by calling 206-338-DOGS. That's 206-338-3647. Or post a comment on our website at caninecast.com. That's the letter K, the number 9, cast.com